0: think a question
1: hey everybody welcome to season three episode three another edition of the surf and sales podcast i'm your host scott Lees here with my good friend and co-host richard harris We we are brought to you today by our sponsors reprise as well as scratchpad check them out get your 2022 off to a rip roaring start richard how you yes. feeling? How you feeling, dude? After your Georgia Bulldogs won the national championship? Uh,
2: nervous, because I'm afraid it's going to take another 40 years.
1: Oh, for God's <laughs> sake! This one victory should last you the rest of your life. You won't even be here in 40 more years.
2: I'm I'm old. I'm old enough to remember the last one. So how's oh that?
1: Yeah. When so. you were like 10 years old, the last time they won, yes. the championship, right? Yes, yes. Yes. Well, yes. Congratulations! I'm glad you're riding yes. high. We are here with our friend and surfing sales alone.
0: Yeah. Alexis
1: Scott, partnerships manager over at our friend's Aspire Ship. Welcome to the show, Alexis.
0: Thank you very much for having me, Scott and Richard.
1: Of course. Have you recovered from the bug bites of Costa Rica?
0: Um I was one of the lucky few. I really had, I think I had oh. like two or three. Which oh, was did. well, I did pack bug spray, unlike some of our friends. So I was very well prepared. And reap the benefits of that. Well,
1: there's a pro tip for anybody who's thinking about going to the <laughs> Surf and Sales Summit in 2022 in May or a couple different weeks in uh, in November. Bring bug spray and use it. Yes. Oh, and,
0: and read the manual, right? It said that in the.
1: <laughs> it, did. <laughs> it did. It did. You know, not many people like to read instructions these days.
0: Well, lesson learned, right? Yeah. Okay. If it's not yeah. on
2: YouTube, if it's not on YouTube, they don't know what to do. <laughs> it's true. Alexis, tell everybody what
1: a partnerships manager does and what that means and give people some context for your uh, your current role.
0: Yeah, so... Uh, in the case point of a being a partnership manager is managing relationships with companies that we do business with. So I'm managing hiring partnerships, the companies that we work with, they come to us for a specific need, but the goal is really to maintain that relationship long-term um, and to be a resource for them continuously. So yes, it's, you know, you're making a, a, Contracted kind of agreement, but um, it's not just a, a sale or a transactional sale. It's you know a long term relationship.
1: So I want to I want to learn a little bit about how you go about kind of identifying your ideal customer profile, your your ICP, because I'm over here and I'm thinking, okay, well, literally every company on the planet seems to be hiring salespeople right now. Um, so how do you figure out like? Where do I start? Who do I target first and why? How how do you how would somebody go about that who's maybe in a similar partnership role as you?
0: Um, I think for me, the first thing was identifying the titles of folks who make those decisions. So who is it that you will be talking to that has the, the decision-making power? For me, it is sales leaders and also HR and talent leaders. Um, that was step one. And then step two is identifying the types of companies that these leaders could potentially work at um, that would be open to the relationship so um, in my case in particular um, i'm looking for companies that are trying to bridge a gap in filling their talent needs it could be for one of two reasons um, it could be they're growing tremendously quickly um, they've just received funding um, you know, and so that's one scenario. And the other scenario is they don't have a talent department. So they're really looking for help hiring. Um, So just kind of identifying the pain points uh, of particular company personas, that's been successful for me as well.
2: How do you, um, because you're, you're going into the, to, you know, you said the head of sales, but oftentimes they don't, do they really control the the purse strings, right? Like you've certainly got to get them on board. Like I got it. And, you know, they're going to be your champion, but who else is, you know, is, is a part of it, right? Maybe it's, it's the ideal collaboration profile. It's not a ideal customer profile. because yeah, it, it, really
0: it depends on the company, quite frankly, you know, the smaller the company, the more power the head of sales has in the decision. Um, obviously the larger the company, the more decision makers become a part of it. I have had, you know, I guess you'd call them enterprise size deals with public companies where, you know, they took nine months to get that relationship established. And we had head of talent, sales managers, um, SDR managers, recruiters. I mean, it was like an entire compilation of anyone who would have any say and who joined that sales team. Um, so it really depends. But, you know, also with smaller startups, the CEO could potentially have, you know, play in that.
2: Right. And Sorry, go ahead,
1: Scott. I was gonna say how how helpful is it for somebody if you can bring in the CEO does that does that muddy the the water a little bit and and slow you down in some way or is that like, oh, I got the CEO involved like I'm closing this deal now for sure.
0: I love it. That's the head of the the head of the castle right there. If yeah. the CEO is bought into what we do and how we do it, the close the chances of that closing are very high.
2: How do you make that, how do you make that jump in the gap, right? VPs of sales know it, they get it. Um, but then you do have to go to that CEO or CFO or whatever. How do you, what are the things you try to bring up to them at the C-suite that maybe you don't have to too much at the, at the VP or director level because they just get it in general?
0: So in, in the words of Aspireship, the above the line buyer, okay. <laughs> um, you know, they're, they're really looking at results. They're they're not so worried about how we're going to accomplish this. They're more worried about what the results will bring to them. Um, so, you know, focusing on that has proven very fruitful.
2: Got it. Got it. Got it. How did you choose to go into this? Like, has this always been your background, this recruitment piece or,
0: know. you no. know? <laughs> No, absolutely not. So um, my background primarily has been hospitality sales, Um, but that actually played a critical component into how I ended up where I am and why I'm so passionate about it. Um, So I worked in hotels for many years. um, And when I moved to Boise, Idaho, if you've ever been here, there's not a lot of hotels and they're not fancy. Um, And I just knew that was going to be a turning point in my career. I was kind of done with that portion of my life. I ended up taking a job with a marketing company. I thought I wanted to do digital marketing. That was not what I wanted to do. Ended up taking a job in sales with a company that they call themselves a technology company. And it sort of is, I mean, they have a technology component, but, um, they're selling vacation rental short, you know, short-term rentals and, um, was doing amazing there, you know, grew a team of 70 and like we acquired a company. I mean, it was, it was like the foot was on the gas, everything was going great. And COVID hit. Um,
1: And then nobody wanted to buy the swamp land in Florida anymore. Richard.
0: Well, and you know, my reservation sales team turned into a cancellation center. So that, that was a tough blow. I mean, we were literally working, you know, 16, 17, 18 hours a day and it was not good. I
2: want to talk about that for a second. Um, But first, I'm going to say, Scott, have you hired Alexis to help you with the Thursday night sales hard no tour in negotiating with the hotels yet?
0: I would love that. No, I'll just do it for free. Shit. I know what to ask for.
2: Well, there
1: you go. Done. (laughs) Done. Done. There you go. You're welcome, Scott.
0: (laughs) I got you. Either hotel or short term rentals. I got you. I know all the things about that. Oh, my goodness.
2: There you go. So I want to, I want to, that was, you know, we've never talked about that. Right. And so what did that do now that we're out of it? What are like two or are three? We, are we out of it? <laughs> well, going from a, from a sales center to a cancellation center, right? Like overnight. Uh, yep. I'm curious, like that probably affected, hopefully people grew from that to sort of look at, okay, here are things we need to change on the front end in general. Um, what, what kind of things did you learn from, from that?
0: Process. Well, I so what I'm about to tell you is, is what I learned. Um, I remember about three or four days in, you know, and I, I remember making a, an iPhone video to send to my team to just say thank you, because they were working, you know, 16, 17, 18 hours a day. Um, because we just could not handle the volume. I mean, you have to think of like, you know, a hundred or I'm sorry, a thousand tickets in the queue of emails. I mean, you're just looking at this going, how in the hell are we going to do this? Oh, and my blood pump, pressure
1: is rising right now. Just, yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. There's so much anxiety to think yeah. about. That.
0: Well, and one of them messaged me privately and she goes, Are we going to get fired? And I said, No, I absolutely not. I said, Look at what we're doing right now. They need us. I mean, this is like, they need us. Who is going to do all of this work? I was wrong. <laughs> A couple of days later, not only did she get fired, but I got fired. Our entire team got fired. And um, it was it was very traumatic
2: so, for all of us. So what happened to all those customers?
0: They sat in the queue. Oh,
2: wow. my God. Wow. Did, did, has the company gone belly up?
0: No, so they got a loan from the american government and then they um went public
1: oh god this is like here they're gonna there's gonna be like a documentary or a movie (laughs) we've already probably seen the movie about this kind of situation right and
0: it's you know i will be totally honest with you and this is me probably oversharing but i do want to share this because there is an emotional component to this where it's like my friends who who I worked with, who I respect and who I value their relationship with and who I cheer on because I love them. And I, they work so hard. That's the one side of things where I'm like, oh my God, guys, you did it. Like you really did it. I'm so proud of you. And then there's the other side of me. That's like F all of you, like the leadership that fucked thousands of people and never yeah. said sorry and didn't treat you right. Like, look at you now, you got what you wanted. So I, I'm very torn on that. Like they it's, it. it's hard for
1: What was it like? Because I'm listening. I'm thinking, well, they just made a liar out of you because you're like, no, you're not going to get fired. And then a couple of days later, everybody, including you, gets fired. Like, Mm
0: -hmm. yep.
1: How did what was the process for bouncing back and recovering from
0: that? Well, I think it was very clear to my entire team that I had no idea. Like, I, I did not know this was coming. I got cut to, it would have been different, I think, if I had if been- you
1: stayed, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, And so I'm still in touch with quite a few of my team members from that job. And, you know, I cheer them on. Um, and one of them went through a spireship and she is freaking kicking ass. I posted about her today on LinkedIn. I mean, it's just, we have all ended up in better places now anyway. So I always look at it as a favor. You did me a favor because I probably would have stayed and been miserable dealing with all that shit so thank you for setting me free
2: yeah I've, I've scott i've done that and um except i knew what was happening i knew they were getting fired not not for today's episode but i could so painful. <laughs> yeah it, it was horrible to lie to people for months uh we were we were transitioning the team from northern california to uh iowa you know where it cost half you yep. know, in salary so uh, i've been there so i i, I feel it i understand so, um, so I want to, I want to dive in a little personal for you. Right. So, okay. um, when you came to surf and sales, how far <laughs> out of that was for your comfort zone?
0: <laughs> well, um, as far as travel, not at all. I love right. to travel. Travel is my passion in life. I love it. Like if I didn't have kids, I'd be gone. I'd be one of those nomads that like, lives right. everywhere. um,
1: this is how I spend all of my downtime, by the way, just daydreaming of where I would go if yes. I have no
2: kids. Oh my
0: <laughs> gosh. Yes. I drive my husband crazy because I subscribe to Ch- Scott's Cheap Flights. If you don't subscribe, need yes. to. And every day I'm like, we could go here. We could, he goes, can you just shut I just
2: up? Said, I just sent Scott Cheap Flights for-, for yeah, he, literally, uh, he literally just did like a couple of days ago. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's amazing. But anyway, um, so that was that. And then I got thrown into that last minute. You know, so I, I wasn't even planning uh, on going. How so, last minute? Uh, a week and a half before.
2: <laughs> right. And that's why I wanted to ask, right? Yeah. Like this is right. So uh, you get told you're going to go to this thing. You know, you you know about it because you guys supported us, which yep. we appreciate.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Are you like, Thrill. okay, cool? Or are you like, Thrill. wait a minute, I love to travel. However, this is not my comfort zone.
0: Thrilled, aside from the surf component. That was, that was the piece that was like, mm, I don't know if that's for me, but mm. I, you know, really, I knew Scott a lot more because of Thursday night sales, but I knew you right. from, you know, LinkedIn and whatever. And, um, I was just excited. I was super excited. Um, I will tell you though, when I got the shuttle confirmation to the hotel, you know, from the hotel to the house, of course I have to go like, do my due diligence on who I'm riding with. And Tim from Salesforce was on that. And I was like, oh my God, this is like, these people have like good jobs. Like, oh, what are we going to talk about? Like, I, it's just me, like who, like little old me. <laughs> and now Tim and I are great friends. I mean, we, we text all the time and whatever. So I was a little bit nervous because I knew the caliber of attendee was was way up there. And um, I was very pleasantly surprised at how grounded everyone was and just how open they were to learning and sharing and, and becoming real friends.
2: Tell everybody what's the f- favorite thing for you to travel with. <laughs> I know the answer. I know yes, the answer.
0: No. It is my Keurig.
2: That's it's right. Alexis Keurig. travels with her own coffee maker little mini <laughs> one. And I was like, I like this woman. I'm like, you this is like someone...
0: You were jealous you didn't have that French roast waiting for you.
2: I know. I was like, and, and believe me, you know, part of the fun for, for Costa Rica is like just sort of, all right, you get Costa Rica coffee, you know, and uh, and uh you got 20 people who all make it differently. So some days it's light and some days it's dark and yep. some days, you know, so, uh, but I, I love that about you because it, it showed me that you're self-aware of the things that matter to you and that little things do matter, right? Like, okay. and... It's not the, Hey, let's be posh and, you know, bougie about our coffee. It was like, Hey, this is important to me and little things matter. And it makes you more comfortable, which I think I wish more people would find in their day.
0: Well, it's funny. I think there's like this connotation with the word particular. Cause I always say that I'm like, I'm not picky. I'm particular. I know what I like. And if if I have to like do what I have to do to make it what I like, I don't care, I'll do that. You know, I'm not trying to be a pain in the ass. I'm just trying to make myself happy so you don't hear me bitching about the coffee. Like, well, let me take care of that for you. <laughs> so, I like I'm like that about a lot of things. Like I I I know what I like, and it's not anyone else's responsibility to like make things the way that I like them, but like I'm very self-aware. Yes.
2: <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm going to I'm going to go a little little bit deeper on some personal stuff because I want people to hear this too is that you know we know each other right we've spent five yeah. or six days yep. together it's it's you know you really get to know people at, at the event and mm-hmm. you came you, you came on the podcast and before we even started recording you were like I am so nervous
0: yes yes right. <laughs>
2: so and and I think a lot of people have that right like and so what were you nervous about or I don't know maybe you're still nervous I don't know what it what is that?
0: You know, it's it's an interesting situation when you have developed relationships with people personally. And, you know, I could talk to you and Scott all day long if, if it's not being recorded, right? Like we're friends and we're talking and this and that. But when you add that publication of it or you lift that veil and now all of a sudden people are going to be listening to you. And then there's that fear of judgment. It, it creates for me, a sense of insecurity. Now, I know that's within myself and it's very important for me to overcome that and say, little voice in my head, shut up, you can do this and it's not a big deal. Um, but that's I think that's why I was kind of nervous so, like fear of judgment.
1: I saw I, and I saw that you wrote the other day that you have a goal to do like four episodes or something. I think it was four three, um, three yeah. in in, yep. in 2022. So good for you to you know, Push yourself out of comfort zone and well, get stuff out yeah. there. And it's it also part sense. of. Go ahead.
0: Questions, right? Like you didn't send me questions that I could prepare, so like that was an added sense of like, oh, what are they going to ask me? What if I don't know the answer? What am I going to say?
1: What's interesting is if if you went and did a poll. Go ahead. You maybe you'll do this, uh, Alexis. We'll give you a little bit of homework. This okay. would be part of part of your like LinkedIn personal branding journey, like. Yes maybe you, maybe you run a a poll. It's like, how many of you who go on podcasts prefer to be sent over a list of questions that you can prep for versus not having any idea and just kind of having a winged, candid conversation. I'd be very curious of the results because I actually think that most people now don't want the list of questions. Don't want to fill out like paperwork and all this kind of stuff, But but maybe I'm wrong.
0: But it also, you know, I posted about this too. I posted about a lot of things. Um, You know, it's it's that sense of, if you ask me questions about my personal experience, I will speak to you with conviction. I am the expert of my life. I am the expert of my experiences. But if you start asking me technical questions about sales, even if I know them, I have this like inner freak out of like, Well, what if someone who's like really high up in sales hears me and thinks, nah, she's totally wrong. She's an idiot. That's not, that's not right. And that's where I start to get nervous and my confidence goes down. I could very well know the answer, but articulating that becomes very challenging um, because I'm in my own head. And that's kind of the whole thing about the podcast. Like if if I'm on a podcast where I'm talking about, um, you know, transitioning into sales, I've transitioned into sales. I'm happy to share my story and, and what worked for me and all of that. I can speak to that with much confidence. Um like any anything like personal, I have a lot more confidence. And so I don't know. That's that I think was part of my nerves too is like, I know this is surf and sales, and it's about sales. And so I'm still gaining my footing on how to feel like an expert enough to be on a podcast about it, you know. I can,
2: I can tell you what makes. I think, Scott, all of you, I mean, anybody can disagree. People's authenticity is what makes them an expert. Their authenticity of, I don't know the answer to that question, or, gee, gosh, I don't know, I gotta think about it. That's what makes you an expert, and that's what makes people want to hear more, because you are willing to be that vulnerable, in my opinion. Um, so maybe flipping it a little bit is a, is you know, Jedi mind trick it a little bit. Um, yeah. How do you how would you encourage yourself other than the, Hey, come on, you can do this. Right. Which we all do. Right. You know, my mom always said, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, right Um, which I never understood. Like I, I, I've had boots and I don't understand, but um, I can help you with that. Okay. (laughs) How how, How do you say it kindly? How does Alexis say it kindly to Alexis to say, Hey, you have this nervousness. Like, how do you coach yourself to get over it? And and the reason I'm asking is I want other people who've ever had any level of the imposter syndrome or any of those kinds of things. I just want them to hear a different person's perspective on it.
0: Yeah. So a couple, a couple of things that I do. Number one is, and even last week, Scott, when I was texting you about my fears and all this stuff, I rationalized like this is imposter syndrome. Like I literally said that to myself now. Yeah. Did that make it better? No, I was still nervous and I was still freaking out or whatever. The next thing I did was I reached out to some folks that are close to me and I was just kind of sharing with them how I was feeling. And they shared a couple of things. Number one, their personal experiences. And number two, their confidence in me, um, which it's always having a hype person is always helpful, <laughs> just someone to kind of cheer you on or whatever. And then the, the last thing I'm a words person. So like people joke that when you come in my house, you need glasses because there's so many signs with fucking words on them from Hobby Lobby and and, and (laughs) TJ Maxx or whatever, like show you this. So my girlfriend gave me this. This says um, chin up princess, the crown slips, you know? So I've got that. Christine uh, Rogers just sent me this. Today's uh, quote of the day here says the quality. Nobody
2: sends me shit. It's shit. I, I, you know, you know yeah. yeah. this is
0: perfect. the quality of your life comes down to the thoughts that you think on a regular basis. That's for January 12th.
1: See, there you go, Richard. You keep yeah. saying nobody sends you shit and that becomes your reality.
2: Right.
0: <laughs> That's right. There you go. But, you know, just words. If I can give myself some like encouragement, either with a quote or with something to think about mm-hmm. and marinate on, um, I really do think about it. You know, it's like, what are the words that I'm telling myself? Okay, I need to be positive. I need to be like encouraging myself or the one yesterday was about change. Like if you want change, you need to be the change. Quit waiting around for shit to happen. Like take initiative. So like these little snippets, I try to apply to my mindset. Like for real, I know it sounds cheesy, but I really do.
1: I get it. I have this uh, quote on this piece of paper over here behind me somewhere right there which you can't really really read but my son said this like out of nowhere maybe five six years ago when he was like seven eight years old and it said you don't get good at anything by giving up except giving up and yeah. I remember and I remember I was like the fuck did that come from you know <laughs> who are you some guru back here this little child I'm like what the, what the heck so yeah I, I get it I have those little sayings all over the place as, as well you know, get it. Get a, you got you gotta uh like you said, you gotta surround yourself with what you need to make you feel good and therefore successful.
2: And speaking of room. stuff in my Springsteen poster. So yeah.
1: <laughs> speaking speaking of like the environment and all that stuff, mm-hmm. do you think you could do your job successfully as successfully in an office five days a week as you do it now remotely or no?
0: So it's, it's really interesting. I go to the office, so I'm actually flying there in a couple of weeks and, um, it is, you don't go
1: there every single day, five days a week.
0: No, no, no. I work from yeah, home. yeah, yeah. Uh, while it is incredibly energizing to be in the office that week. It is also incredibly draining because it's not just about the work that I'm doing. It's about the relationships that I'm trying to build with my team members while I'm there. And so it's like two jobs during one job. Um, could I like technically? Yes. Would I want to? No, I would not. <laughs> um, I, I really love the ability and opportunity to work remotely. Um, I'm also very grateful for the opportunity to go to the office so that I can work on those relationships. But there's a lot of distraction.
2: Yeah. How do you. Hold on once again. So you so there's more distraction at work than there is at home. Is that what you said?
0: I am a social person, my friend. I want to talk about all the things. Let's talk about my coffee. Let's talk about my shirt. Let's talk about my purse. Let's talk about where I had dinner last night. Let's talk about all the things. I'm the lady that needs the sign that says like, do not talk to me because I'm trying to focus.
2: Right. But that's, but it's interesting because I don't think people say like, particularly particularly when it started and I think it's legitimate to, if our kids were homeschool and stuff like that. Yeah. There's so many distractions, yeah. right? Um, but I think people kind of realize that you get, you get a lot more shit done (laughs) when you get 20 minutes at home uninterrupted than if you had 20 minutes in the office. So
1: what are you supposed to do if you're like me, when you can't get 20 minutes uninterrupted anywhere you go? Well, drink. I don't
0: know. I mean, maybe do like 15 minutes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I do five (laughs) minute five minute sprints of work. One five minute sprint an hour of work. Yeah. Well, yeah
2: why oh wait? I gotta just for a second. Why do you have such a hard time? Because I know your kids aren't home all day.
1: Uh, I I'm making a little bit of a joke. I, I okay. have to but I have to take like fairly dramatic uh, steps. The I have to turn off notifications all over the place across all of the different channels. I have to get, you know. My texts off my laptop, all this kind of thing. I have oh. to not have email in front of me, it's like because during the course of this hour that we're going to be on this Zoom, I will probably get 200 different notifications of some sort.
0: Oh my god!
1: For sure. Think hey. about it. You got? I got? I got? I got LinkedIn because I made a post today, so I haven't even looked at that. That's going to have. Worst case scenario, probably going to have 25,000 views and and a couple, you know, hundred comments that I got to do something with. I tweet. So that gives me a whole nother set of like notifications. I got email. I have 16 clients who are emailing me or slacking me stuff, right? I have private coaching clients. I have Patreon members. I have Thursday night sales community members. I have surfing sales members. I got my kids fucking school calling me that 30% of the, People in school have COVID, all this kind of shit. Right. You want me to go on?
2: Yeah, I, uh, yes, because it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, because Richard
1: just likes, you know, now Alexis has anxiety. I started off with anxiety thinking about her thousand support tickets. Right. And now I've transferred that on over to her. But yeah, I, so like, I have, I I have do an record.
2: episode with you, Scott, on that. I want to, I do want to oh. do an episode, but this is about Alexis today. But I think oh. I'm going to make a nice video snippet just for your Thursday night sale.
1: But, but to, I think to her point though, like, when you're at home, you're eliminating some of those distractions, and there's nobody walking up to me, tapping me on the shoulder, and asking me a question. There's no temptation for me to go over there and talk about, you know, Georgia winning the game and lose 10 15 minutes down this particular rabbit hole. And if you're like Alexis, who's super social, that could happen all day, every day. I'm not very social, and it would still happen to me, <laughs> you know what I mean? So that, that's kind of uh what I was getting at, how do you talk to clients and partners about all this when they're trying to you know shove one particular method down everybody's throat? Like a client who's like, nope, everybody's going into the office, everybody's in Boise in the office five days a week, like
0: the conversation that I have all the time.
1: I'm sure that's that's what I'm getting at. How do you navigate all that?
0: So there's the reality of the market and the reality of the market is um, a few things. So what I always tell them, so let's say pretend it's New York city, right? You're hiring in New York city. You want them to come into the Manhattan office five days a week. So what I tell them is this, look, I could have a hundred candidates for you in New York city, amazing candidates, but if none of them want to come into the office five days a week, I now have zero candidates for you. And the reality is that, um, 90% of our hires in the last 90 days have been remote hires to give you a perspective on how successful, you know, in-person hiring.
2: 90, is. nine, I zero. To listen 90. That. That's amazing. Uh, that is just, and, and are the companies pulling their hair out or have they kind of gotten over it Cause they had to live it too.
0: So it really depends. You know, some have asked me for ammunition, if you will, to, to present to leadership, to say like, look, this is the reality of what's going on right now. This is, this is what they're seeing, you know, and I always tell them this too. If you tell me remote, I don't even have to look at my candidate pipeline. I know for a fact, I will immediately have people to present to you who are qualified, talented, ready to rock and roll. If you are location specific, I have to A, assess where everyone is, and then B, I have to see who even wants this job. So yeah. timeline, longer, candidate pool shrunken significantly. Um, you know, I have even sent like LinkedIn posts with polls to like sh- where, you know, there's 300,000 responses and 75% of people won't even entertain a remote op- or um, I'm sorry, an in-person opportunity, you know, like anything that I can do, but some are insistent and some have actually come back you know, a couple months later and said like, yeah, we had to open to remote because we just were not getting the pipeline that we needed. And I was like, I totally get it. Yeah, they're, they're just,
1: they're just really struggling to accept that the power dynamic has changed yeah. completely. Yep.
2: yep. Yep. What Um, it's like, it's like, there's a union, but there's no real union. We're
1: forming an unofficial union.
2: <laughs> the sales union.
1: Yes. Yeah. We've That's- unionized without there being an official body and, you know, no dues are being paid or anything like that. But yeah,
2: we're taking, we're taking, That's we're taking my tradem- power- I'm trademarking that by the way. The Take it, we've,
1: we've taken the power back a little bit. Yeah, yeah.
0: But a lot. I saw something the other day and it said something about, it, it's more about the leadership than it is about the actual people you're bringing on. And yeah. a lot of it is fear-based, right? They, they fear that they're not going to have the control. They fear that they're not going to have the visibility. They fear that they're not going to be able to control the outcomes as much if they have remote people as opposed to having people in office, um, and I think that that's spot on. It's you know, if you have never led a remote team, I sure hope you have a plan. I really do.
2: So I want to go into a couple of things around that. So the first thing is, you know, you mentioned some of the ammunition around location, you know, the pipeline, how big, how long, yeah, it's yep. going to affect revenue. What's some of the other ammunition you give to people who are listening that may have to go to their to their CEOs to to get approval for work from home? Was there anything else or were those the primary?
0: Um, Those are the primary. I mean, that's one of the biggest reasons that people come to us, you know, is is they're looking for people who are pre-vetted, qualified, have have invested time in learning sales as it is, um, and who are eager to not just start a job, but start a career, right? So we are, you know, pre-vetting this group of candidates who have proven competency, who are coachable, who are eager, all of that. Um, It is very hard to assess that if you are a hiring manager and just kind of winging this on your own, right? You're going to get, you could post and you can have a million resumes. Think of how much time it's going to take you to actually go through them. Then how are you going to know the people who don't have the resumes that screen to you on paper, like, you know, yeah. sales, sales, yeah. sales, like how do you judge who to talk to or not? I have, a, so, I,
1: have, I have a question for the both of you. Yeah. I had a conversation with somebody the, the other day they'll remain nameless, but they were talking about this like almost gated kind of community of sellers. And there was verification that these people, you know, have attained or surpassed quota for, I don't know, one year in a row, two years in a row or something like that. Interesting. Another verification could be like, let's say it's, this is only sellers who have made W2 over 250 K or something. Mm -hmm. So the idea is that this is like a legit guaranteed group of people who have proven success. This is not somebody's words on a resume or on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yep. This is not even a reference of like, oh yeah, Richard is great. He's, he's the best person to hire. Meanwhile, my data shows Richard was 84% to goal, right? So it's this like group of sellers that are verified somehow as being super, super successful. Mm-hmm. Do you think that companies would flock to that and like go to that place and and be like, I want to hire those people. Those one of they're a member, they're a certified verified member of this like 250K club. Yes, no, crazy. What do you think? I do. Why?
0: Because of the verification. I mean, anyone can put anything they want on a resume.
1: So it therefore increases the odds of that candidate being super successful. You would think, right?
0: You would think. Now, what you also have to take into account is motivation level yep. Uh, industry. Yep. There's, there's a, uh, and
1: there's still factors. Still it's not t- I mean,
0: Yeah. It's not black and white. And that's the point. I mean, hiring itself is not black and white. Yes. It's just
1: not. Yes. But it could be, it could be a way to increase your success rate or your odds. What do you think, Richard? I saw you giving a look like you didn't agree.
2: My first question was going to be, Scott, what do you think I'm going to say? Um, But here's, here's, here's where I've gotten better about myself, particularly when Scott poses these questions is (laughs) it is natural for me to be very skeptical of some new ideas like that. Because of that, that means it's a good idea. (laughs) So I've learned how to ignore myself, right? I'm like opposite George, right? Like I'm going to do the opposite of what I would normally do or say. Um, I think it's you know, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is, well, why are they leaving? But I think that's a standard question for everybody leaving. And I think right now we already know the answer, which is better yeah. quality of life and more money. Um, so, yes, I think it has a lot of viability. Um, I also think it, uh, it, it would be, int- I, th- I think it'll do very well. You could probably charge a premium. Um, yeah, yeah. It sounds very similar to you know, the executive recruiting firms, right? Like so, like, so when some fortune company decides they need a new v- senior VP of something, they hire these people yeah. who have that's, you know, who just have their tentacles in those places. Um, so it tells me, I, I mean, I think it's a great idea. So um, I'll invest, whoever's doing it. So, you know, so I'm in. Um, so, So I wanna ask one more question and then we're gonna flip it to you, Alexis. Um, okay. and certainly, um, the question is, you've mentioned something about if you've never managed a remote team, mm-hmm. I'm that guy, right? Like I had a, for a long time, I, I, and I'm that control guy that you were describing. Like I'm this control, I was a control freak. Um, what advice do you give for those people who are like, okay, if you're going to have to start managing remotely and you've never done it before, here's two books you should read. Here's what you need to think about, you know?
0: I don't have any books to recommend, but I do have some things to think about. Um, for me, one of the biggest components to my success working remotely is feeling connected to my team. And so that is done through a couple of ways. Um, obviously Slack, we're on Slack all the time, we're talking all the time. Um, the other is you know, conscious time one-on-one with my boss and my leader and, and with other leaders in the company who who make the effort to ask me questions and to engage with me um it, it is important to remind people that you know they're there you know they're working hard you appreciate them building that connection and, and that appreciation is really important right if if i know someone appreciates the work that i'm doing i'm going to work even harder it doesn't matter where i'm located. Right. Um, the other thing is providing like a safe space to ask questions. Um, like the ability for someone to ping you is, is easy. Right. But if you never answer them, what good is that? So in the office, you could like Scott said, tap someone on the shoulder and say, Hey, what about this? Um, but as a leader, like understanding that there might be small questions throughout the day, but if, if that person is stuck on that one dang question, it's pretty important that you answer it. Um, so, you know, building a remote culture is more challenging. You don't have the the in-person interaction, but I totally think it can be done if you put the work into it. And that's actually something I'm really passionate about is like company culture um, and, and building those relationships. And it's, I mean, it's why I love working at Aspireship.
2: <laughs> that's cool. So uh, what questions do you have for us?
0: Okay. Number one, this is like my favorite question to ask anyone, but we did talk about travel earlier. What is your number one bucket list? You haven't been there yet, but you would give your left arm to go location.
1: So I, I got to go to NZA, New Zealand, Australia. I haven't been yet. It doesn't make any sense that I haven't been. And,
0: shut uh, down,
1: shut down, <laughs> shut down. What do you mean shut down?
0: It's not even open right now. So irrelevant, here. irrelevant. I know. It's-
1: this is a this is a this is a magic wand wish list okay, okay. situation. Yes. I'm changing gotcha. the
2: rules. I'm changing I'll the get
0: rules. Didger- I'll get you a didgeridoo for Christmas. Yeah,
1: exactly.
2: That's where I would go, Richard. Uh, I, so the first thing out of my out of my head was Australia. Um, yeah. I want to go to like some Eastern Bloc countries, right? I want to go to Poland and some of those uh-huh. other places that are just. Different, right? That I'm going to see something different. I'm going to experience something very different than than what I'm used to seeing, right? So one sort of like, okay, what's my fun vacation? The other one's like that would still be fun, but a different type of fun. Okay? Yep, so.
0: definitely. How
2: about you? What's on the bucket um, list?
0: Australia is, and I wow. the thing, clean, like, sweep Yeah. Well, what's hard too is like it's so gigantic. Like it would be very challenging for me to pick where on Australia because I yeah. If you going all- to
2: Australia, it's like you got to go for like. Two and a half or three weeks or a month. So when we do Surf and Sales Australia, you know, we're not going to stay for just an extra week for Thanksgiving, Scott. That would be incredible.
0: Wow. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Then my next question for you, and this is a little controversial. So I'm not going to say your favorite, but I'm going to say who has been your most surprising guest on your podcast?
1: Most surprising guest. Mm. Good question. I have a terrible uh, memory. I I'm gonna not say the person's name. <laughs> but there was there was one guest that we had that Richard and I afterwards were like, wow, that was kind of boring and not super good and very like all just kind of all over the place and whatnot. And that episode was like one of the most viewed that we had ever had up until that particular time. And we kind of looked at each other, you know, afterwards or had a conversation a couple of days later and we're like, "But I don't know how any of this shit works. Right. <laughs> so I still remember that one. I think that was season one. Yes. Uh-huh. yes. So that one.
2: Um, I would agree with that one. I think, um... gosh, I'm trying to think the ones that were the most surprising. I mean, they're all Uh, You know, not every one of my babies is really adorable. So there's definitely some bad episodes out there. Um, The ones and I haven't had to do this in a while, Scott, and I don't know why. um, It's the ones where people can't articulate the pains they solve. Like I got on this rant for several months where people would come to me and, or they would come to the thing and I'd be like, well, what, tell people what they do. And I would immediately go, no, 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 that's not good. Let's go. Let's go. And Scott would be like chiming me on the back going, what are you doing? <laughs> You're running them through, um, you know, and I think I did it with Will over at Lavender might've been the last time I did it. Um, it was, and Have he's a good guy.
0: In person? Have you ever met him in person?
2: Have I met Will? I don't yes, know. Yes, he was at he was at uh, Hard No tour in Las Vegas. Yes, he was. That's right. That's right.
0: That's right. And he, so, is so, I love him. I have yeah. met him multiple times in person, and he is yeah. just the sweetest. Um, I think sometimes he gets a little cerebral, and he's. <laughs> there's
2: there's one more in particular that I was a little I was definitely surprised about, um, uh, which is which which was was Brandon Bornus and. Um, because he's, he means so well and he really does try to do and want to help people genuinely. Um, but at some point it just became so much about him that I literally had to like, tell him to shut the fuck up, like literally. (laughs) And every now and then I'll get a tweet of someone saying it and I love him and I know him and Brandon, if you're listening, of course you you know me, but that's, I think that's also one of the reasons he and I get along well is because he knows I'll, I'll call him out on stuff. Right. I'll, I'll share my honest opinions with them. That one was surprising because I was expecting a much more high energy sales conversation, not one that sort of went in that direction.
0: Interesting. That totally makes sense. Yeah. It's, that's funny, Christine. So um, I'm very honest in that way too. <laughs> <laughs> I always tell um Christine I'm like I'm telling you if you don't want my opinion don't ask me
2: right <laughs>
0: <laughs> the minute you ask me you're gonna get it and even even the Scott you posted something the other day um I can't remember what exactly the question was and then I said well I don't know about that but I do know I'm a mover for change or whatever because of the hot water
2: yes <laughs> yes yes
0: well definitely but you know with my honesty if you win my heart and you win my trust, I will be your number one fan and I will evangelize and advocate and celebrate you from the rooftops, you know, so it's a double-edged sword.
2: (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, Scott, get us out of here.
1: All right. I'll get you out of here. That's a wrap for episode three, season three of Surf and Sales podcast. Check out the Surf and Sales Summit at surfandsales.com. Thanks to our sponsors, Scratchpad, as well as Reprise. And most of all, thank you to Alexis Scott, Partnerships Manager at Aspireship. We'll see you next time, everybody. Bye, Bye, everyone. everyone.